This week on Dig Me Out. With your hosts, Jason Ziak and Tim Minichi. Jay, this week we're back with another one of our patron-selected episodes. One of our patrons is joining us for their 12-month pick. And we are very excited, Jay, to welcome to the show, Peter Hirsch. Welcome, Peter. Peter! Hey! <laughs> nice to be here. Joining us from outside of... Portland and Salem, Oregon, Woodburn, Oregon. Uh, quite a lot of musical happenings there. You said uh, in the pre-show chat you moved there in the early 90s. I'm assuming then, um, well, you said you moved to Seattle and then you moved to Portland. You've been in the kind of the epicenter of music for the last uh, 20 or so years. Perfect yeah. for this podcast. Definitely. Definitely, yeah. <laughs> it's been pretty interesting to watch the the growth and the decline Uh throughout these last 20 years. Definitely. Um, Jay, before we get into all this episode, I want to mention we are currently in a sponsorship mode. <laughs> no, no way, no, another way to put it. We're working with Studio again on their Navoa right. inner ear wireless headphones, which people can check out by going to studio.com. And if they use the code DMO, they get 15% off their purchase, which they can make with free shipping. And if they make their purchase in the month of December, it's a very nice gift box that everything comes in. So this is the second week of our cohabitation with uh, with Studio. We've uh, partnered up before. We like their products. We're partnering up mm -hmm. again. Later in the show, we'll get into actually using the new... Naveo? Did I say it right? Navea? No, Navoa. Right. Navoa. I'm sorry. It's Navoa. <laughs> when there's little dots and lines and stuff above letters, it always throws me off. Right, right. Well, look, uh, Ikea should straighten you out on that. But... They should. They should. I should be a pro by now. <laughs> so, Peter, tell yeah. everyone what record you picked for this week. <laughs> I chose uh, Eric Matthews' The Lateness of the Hour. And how did you come upon this record? I was living in Seattle and I uh, was walking around, went into this, you know, like used clothing store that had, you know, free stuff, whatever. Looked in this box, had a uh, promo CD for this album. And uh, living in Seattle, you know, he's, he was on, this, or he, yeah, he was on the Sub Pop. Uh, record label and so I heard his name but I didn't know anything about it uh, flipped over the the promo CD and it happened to have Jason Faulkner was on the album and I was like oh I'm gonna get this because I'm a huge uh, Jason Faulkner fan and uh, never regretted it freaking love this album so much so and I have to thank Jason Faulkner for <laughs> for <laughs> introducing me sort of into uh, to this band or to him to Eric Matthews Jay, had you listened to Eric Matthews before doing this episode? No, I had never heard of him. Um, and I'm kind of into some of that music, or have been in, my, in the past, so I was kind of surprised that I had never come across him. 
I had heard the name, but I had not checked it out. I think I'd even like seen the album covers because they, especially for this one, it looked kind of familiar. And then again, that might be just a case of we might have had it at the radio station and it might have mm-hmm. just passed through the music department at some point. And I just, you know, saw it, but didn't connect with it uh, either whatever for whatever reason. So, uh, yeah, I'd not, I had not heard it either. So do you know any history on Eric Matthews before we get into that? Are you asking me? Yeah, just any any background on him. Uh, let's see, I know he was in a band called Cardinal before he went solo. Yep. Uh, put out um, two albums on Sub Pop, and then disappeared for years. Uh, at least according, at least from from his own releases, and then um, put out an EP, uh, and then a few other albums after that. Uh, in the in the 2000s. Yep. Uh, yeah. Uh, he's originally from Compton, California, and he was in a, the, the man that you mentioned, uh, Cardinal. He's one with uh, Richard Davies, who's an Australian um, multi instrumentalist, I guess. Mm-hmm. Or sorry, not a songwriter, and um, so they were they did that together from I guess only a couple years 93 they put an ep and then 94 there was an album and then that album was reissued in 2005 and then they put out another record together in 2012 called hymns and then also in 93 he was in a band called belt buckle which Hmm. was with bob fay and lou barlow of sebado and then that's when uh, shortly after he started recording for sub pop the first two records it's heavy here it's heavy in here came out in 95 and then this album the late the lateness of the hour came out in 1997 and then like you mm-hmm. mentioned he went on sort of a break uh and from 97 to 2005 there was no output and then in uh 2005 he put out six kinds of passion looking for an exit and then he's put out uh, a couple of records a couple of more records since then and he's also been in a band called she loom yeah and I don't know how much output they've had, but I think there's been I think a couple. Just one album. Okay. Yeah. So our folks over at Patreon, where uh, you were a uh, 12-month subscriber that earned you this, uh, you know, priceless <laughs> gift of picking a record, uh, they had some comments. Keith Sawyer said his first LP is a perfect zombie-style 60s orchestral psych pop throwback tightly produced and executed this one loses a little of the focus and energy but still has some very fine songs everything so real my morning parade becomes dark blue since the wheel free his 1994 cardinal collaboration with richard davies still remains the best thing he's ever done a class still stands to this day and then whitney beeler said i've never heard this but i'm very interested to check it out it's going to be tough for anything to beat fanfare the lead track on his debut it's heavy in here what a great song that is and then he chimed in this is more guitar pop oriented than the debut overall i enjoy it more than the his first one interesting so whitney and keith at odds over their first and second records by Eric Matthews. People are going to go to patreon.com forward slash dig me out to join us. You get to vote in polls and be eligible for things like our studio giveaway that will be coming up uh, very soon. So let's get into this record. The Lateness of the Hour 
by Eric Matthews. Jay, I'll start with you. Tell me one thing you liked about this record. It's intimate. Uh, even when the, obviously the quieter moments are, but even when the, the band, the volume kicks up a little bit, it's still uh, this very specific kind of sound. I guess everything must be very compressed. Uh, he sings in a in a almost whisper at times. So mm-hmm. all of the music has to be kind of compressed, compressed and controlled in order to, I think, make that work from a recording standpoint. So you end up with this very intimate sounding record. So even when it's a band sound, it still has this very unique um, sound where you're, you just feel like you're right. The music's like right on top of you and right in your, if you're listening to headphones, like right up in your ears. And then with that, I, I think vocally it's, it's unique. Um, I, I hear a little Lou Barlow in the vocals. I hear a little Elliot Smith, but there's a lot of harmonies going on, which I think mm-hmm. is what makes it um, distinctive from those other artists that, that I just mentioned. In that, um, it can be very lush, you know, very pop oriented in terms of, or, or almost like Beach Boys esque in terms of like how some of the the harmonies come together. Um, so, I think from from those two aspects just the overall like in- intimacy of the record and then combined with a very unique kind of vocal approach and harmonies it's a it's a very um immersive record yeah i'll just echo that and say that i think the one thing that i really enjoyed about this record is just the sounds and how good everything sounds it doesn't sound dated to me in terms of you know we've said in the past episodes this sounds like a 90s record like this sounds as fresh as just about anything. Um, probably because there's not like a, you know, like a typical like '90s electric guitar sound or um, snare sound or something. You know, those sorts of things. Um, mm-hmm. This, I, it's helped by the fact that it has, like you mentioned, the Beach Boys. I mean, there's this orchestral side of this record, and it's not just in the musical. Uh, what, what's there musically it's also in his vocal melodies they're very pronounced in a formal way that sounds they would be um <laughs> this is a weird comparison but like something like a burke Bacharach, like these formal arranged <laughs> like pop orchestral pop songs they're just it's like it's like nothing i've ever heard in some ways um which is both really cool and it's also kind of jarring because i'm just like staring at my you know i was driving when i was listening to a lot of this record um and then when i was also at home with headphones on i'm just like what like how is this even being done like this <laughs> set like some of these st- like string parts are so complex and and then i read that he's like you know mastered like f- six different really hard instruments so <laughs> i guess that's and then when you look at like uh, the playing on the record, I mean, a lot of it is him. Jason Faulkner contributes guitar and bass and piano and drums on some tracks. And Tony Lash, who plays in Heat Miser, he played drums on a number of tracks. So, And then there's people who came in and played certain instruments. But a lot of this is Eric Matthews. And, man, it's like it is a real tour de force in terms of performance. And, you know, what's interesting is, like, some of these songs are real short, but they pack a lot of melody and a lot of of arrangement into those songs. That's what makes them really interesting uh, to listen to over and over again. So, Peter, let me ask you, uh, what are the highlights for you of this record? Uh, you know, pretty much all of it. It's crazy. I used to listen to this album over and over and over again 
and a lot of times I still do. One of my favorites is my morning parade. I actually used it during my wedding. One of my fun tracks, I love Dopiness. I don't know how if you guys remember that one, but mm-hmm. uh, just real, I mean, it feels like you're on heroin. <laughs> you know, um, uh, Pair of Cherry. I mean, all of, I really love his vocal phrasing. And then the, the, the pop drumming, the, you know, the pop guitar work, you know, uh, like I said, you know, with Jason Faulkner, you can kind of feel his, his magic all over it uh even if he's not on the track you can still feel that zombies as you know someone had mentioned in the right. patreon you know so i think a lot of that just kind of creates getting away from what the 90s was and into mixing a lot of different genres and with the orchestral you know his t- trumpet playing and um jay you mentioned about elliot smith and eric matthews actually played on one of Elliot's tracks, the the needle, uh, needle in the hay. He played trumpet on that, but the uh, when the album was released, they took that off, and uh, they've since released it, that version with him trumpeting on it. And actually, Eric Matthews re-recorded the recorded the song himself, covered it on a Portland um, tribute to Elliot Smith. So anyhow, yeah, I can definitely hear hear him, Elliot Smith's. Uh, vibe to this as well so anyway the, the, com- the, the commitment to the orchestration was also a um surprising and a highlight to me um mm-hmm. in that you know there's a lot of bands that have used strings obviously in different um uh have strayed from the, the traditional you know guitar bass drum format but there's a couple songs in here where there's no guitar bass or drums um so to clear the air I think it's all strings and horns and xylophone and other, you know, it's very John Bryan. Uh, at least that was my touch point for it. And Festival Fun, I think, is another one where um, it, it almost sounds like a classical song, like a, a waltz or like a classical waltz. Dream. There's a definite commitment here to, I guess, do whatever's right for the song. Like when the song calls for it to be a little bit more folky, he goes that direction. When it calls for it to be a little bit more of an alt, you know, rock kind of feel, he does that. When it calls for it to be a classical song, he does that. You know, it, it sort of spans whatever needs to be done. Um, I guess within his talents and abilities, he's able to perform whatever instruments he needs to to do whatever's right for the song, which was 
I think overall a highlight and in, in somewhat unexpected, I guess, going into this, just looking at the album cover and sort of, it's very unassuming. You don't quite know the depth that you're going to get into when you get into the record. Have the tracks that you've grown to like, have they stayed the same from from the beginning or have your tastes changed and what, what are your particular favorites on the record, Peter? Um, no, they've all really stayed the same. I mean, I, you know, it's like for, for me, it's like old school. You listen to a you know a vinyl record. You listen from the front to back, flip it over, finish off the record, and it's you know I, I don't really go direct to certain songs. You know when I'm listening to it, I just I think it's just a freaking one of the best records put out from that era. You know I always go back to my morning parade because I, I I really love the lyrics. You know like talking about the tear going down the cheek. And, you know just the imagery and such like that. I think it's just. He has such pretty lyrics, some of it. Jay, let's uh, let's cut away from the Eric Matthews talk, and let's talk about Studio and the Novoa. Do I call them earphones? They're not headphones because they don't go on your head; they go in your ear. So they're earphones, yeah. right? We're talking about those, partnered yeah. up with Studio. Yeah. And uh, this is week two. I finally got mine, Jay. Wow. I know. How'd you, how'd you make that happen? Um, I yelled at UPS. Did you have to drive to Finland? I did have to, um, yeah, I did have to do some traveling to uh, to the Scandinavian <laughs> countries. Motherland. Yeah. No, I just got on the customer service for 45 minutes and tried to negotiate yeah. having them rerouted back from the plane that they were going to be put on. So I mat- what I like to imagine is somebody was running across the tarmac at the Columbus right. airport yelling... Don't let that plane take off. <laughs> and they grabbed my package out and uh, rerouted it back to me. So I get to talk about my Navoa earphones. Yeah. So what do you what do you think? Well, what I do you think, think so far. So the like you mentioned, the packaging is amazing. The mm-hmm. case that they come in, little hard shell case. I love that it um, shows the light of the earbuds charging and then changes yep. color when they're fully charged. I love that they mm-hmm. snap in with the magnets so you know that yeah. they're like locked in. That's a yep. really cool uh, feature. I've never had headphones like this before. I know you're much more of a headphone, yeah. earphone guy than I am. So this is like a brand new experience for me. I, uh, I've never had it. I've never had wireless oh, like okay. this before. Yeah, But really. it's one of those things when you, when you look at the picture, you're like, how do I know that they're in that case correctly and charging? But once you do it, you realize that there's magnets on either end, and it just kind of like pulls and pulls the mag- uh, the headphone into the slot, and it all just lines up and works. So it's nice. Yeah, it's very space age. I like it. So, so you, have you got a, a chance to listen to them? I did, and uh, it was uh, easy to dock or, or to, to not dock it, but to um, pair it up with my Bluetooth on my my iPhone. So yeah. I had done it before with the with the tray and the and the regent so that was cool and i i tried them out it sounded great i have i only got a few minutes of because i 
you know, I got him and then I had to charge it up. So and you get that much time with him. I know you've had like the last week now to, to try him out. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things I wanted to mention is like with uh, headphones like this, you have to remember there's no cord between them and then they're very small. So it, it, uh, if you've never used them, you're probably wondering how do I know which one to put in one ear and how does that work? And, right. uh, so that it kind of walks you through, it has an audio prompt. So when you turn them on, uh, it'll say, you know, it'll say like right speaker on and then it'll say connected and then it'll say left speaker on. So it'll tell you, so you don't have to like look at the headphone to know which one's right and left. It'll actually correct you if they happen to be wrong and tell you when you power them up that the not only are they connected to each other, but also which one is the right one and which one is the left one, which is kind of nice. So yeah, uh, sound-wise, you know, these are so if do a little bit of education because uh, there's so many different kinds of headphones in there, and it's all in, in earphones, but um, it's all a little subjective, and they're all different and better at certain things than others. Right. So these are in-ear, so they're actually going in your ear canal, and mm-hmm. they use like a rubber kind of a fit to make sure that you get a good seal because these are. It's really important whenever you use any in-ear. Uh, headphone that you get a good fit because it it really creates the the uh, the sound if it doesn't fit right it's it's all going to sound very thin um, right. it needs to be like completely sealed that mm-hmm. way that you get good bass um but you don't want it so tight that it's uncomfortable so yeah they give you three sizes of the little uh, rubber pieces to kind of fit try to find the right size for your ear um so i played around with those i got a good um i found uh the medium was best for me, you know, using them the, uh, from a sound standpoint, you know, they, I think I like these the best of the three that we've, we've tried from studio. They, um, are very isolating. Like when, when I got them in, I can't hear anything yeah. outside, um, which is great. And they don't have any sound like cancellation going on either. This, this is just pure fit. And then, uh, the bass is, the bass is good. If you like a nice punchy bass, they definitely deliver that. I think the thing I like best about them is that often with in-ear headphones, the sound can be a little like it lacks depth and like it doesn't feel like you're really listening to speakers. Like it's often it sounds like you're literally got a speaker in your ear canal as opposed to you're sitting in a room, you know, six feet away from bookshelf speakers or you're at a show or you're watching a band in a room where the sound's bouncing off the walls and it sort of, you know, feels live. These have a really nice what's called sound stage, so the perception of space as you're listening to the music, mm-hmm. which um, for in ears is is pretty impressive at this price point, especially because, like I said, often you don't get that. You get this like a little bit of a harsh kind of direct sound um, that's really hard in a in speakers that that's small to get those to sound good. So I was really impressed with how good the uh, the soundstage was on these. So, um, so far, you know, the convenience is amazing. It's just to be able to have these two little things that you sit yeah. in your ears and you, you <laughs> there's no wires, no nothing. It's pretty nice. Um, and then to have really good sound, um, coming from them at that price point, um, so far so good. I'm, I'm really, uh, really happy with these. And I, I think if I had a pick of the three, these would probably be the three. Uh, th- these would probably be the ones I'd go with of the the studios that we've tried. And you mentioned about that price point. These are one oh nine. And if you use the dig me out code DMO, you get fifteen percent off your purchase, which means you can get these for under a hundred bucks plus free shipping anywhere in the world. That's pretty cool for this yep. quality of a, you know, an earphone, a wireless Bluetooth. I mean, that's 
I don't know. I don't know what the competition looks like, but that that's pretty amazing. And I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about my experience with him as I have more time on our next episode. So I just want to share with people: you can go to studio.com uh, to check out the various models that they have. The Nevea uh, comes in black and white, and then you can also check out the tray, which we've discussed before. And then um, you can also check out the uh, Regent, which we've checked out before, and they have some other models as well. And you can find them on Facebook at Studio Sweden. That's S-U-D-I-O Sweden. You can find them at Twitter at Studio Sweden, on Pinterest at Studio Sweden, and then Just Studio on Instagram. And again, that's 15% off your purchase. Just use the code DMO and free shipping around the world and of course as we mentioned in the last episode there is a gift box for purchases now uh being made for the holiday season so everyone uh feel free to check it out there'll be uh links in the notes and of course jay we can't forget that if you are a patron over at patreon.com forward slash dig me out we're going to be giving away a pair of these nevea earphones yes that's why we are uh plugging these so much so we can uh free up some wares um so that you can enjoy some free headphones so Mm -hmm. not a bad deal all i gotta do is go support us um which i'm sure you want to do anyway and you're automatically entered in a contest to win some headphones and hopefully in the future we'll continue to be able to give away cool stuff we'll be doing that on the next show actually We'll be announcing the winner on episode 412. So tune in on whenever that comes out. <laughs> that's a, that's a, we're professional. We know those things. On a Tuesday. Yeah. In December. Definitely be on a Tuesday. A Tuesday in December. There you go. And let's get back to our discussion on Eric Matthews. All right, let's make the awkward transition into the things that we did not like about this record. <laughs> <laughs> when we get to break Peter's heart, hopefully not. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll say, Jay, something you brought up in the beginning. I was yep. not in love with his vocals for the duration of the record. Like At first, mm-hmm. I was like, hmm, this is an interesting vocal approach at the beginning, this like whispery fay really up close vocal and i i've heard people do that before and you think okay well it's something that they're doing for a particular song and then you get into the record you're like oh no this is his this is how he sings like super close and really 
in intimate it kind of threw me for a loop like the first time i listened to the record i was like i don't i don't know if i like this <laughs> and yeah. um because it was it was because it, it's so in your face in terms of the way it's produced uh you know with the vocal with that whispery vocal being as loud as what would be in, like a, a fully throated vocal yep. that um i was sort of off put by it i will say after repeated listens i think i I kind of understood it more, and then I, I kind of eased back on my confusion with it. But I still, like, when I listen to it, I'm like, mm, I wish there was a little bit... Like, he does, in certain songs, push the vocal a little bit to what I would describe as a, as a full vocal delivery. It's few and far between. I just I wish I heard more of that. And I, I from what I've read, he's done that more on later records. So I don't know if that was simply a matter of him just not being comfortable singing that way or if that was a stylistic choice or what the reasoning was i tend to think of people who sing real intimately as doing it in a sense of like like bedroom recordings with like a four track and like you know you're doing this like close but he's clearly like working on a very broad big orchestral scale so that's not the instance here unless you're trying to meld like two worlds of like orchestral you know over the top pop and then very intimate bedroom recording vocal sound i'm that part Mm -hmm. left me a little confused but i liked it more the more i listened to the record yeah i'm I'm with you and to some degree in that i for me personally this isn't my favorite type of vocal for a whole record um, a pro, you know, but I, I think I get it creatively, um, in that you can definitely tell he's not, he doesn't sing this way because it's the only way he can sing. I think some people who right. sing this way, like the bedroom recording, it's like, that's the only way they can manage to get a song across. So that's just the way they sing. He's obviously able to like his melodies. He can, he, uh, like festival fun. He, he sings, um, exactly along with this, I think what, what's an oboe. Um, and he's always on pitch and on key. So like he can, he can probably sing in a lot of different ways and it's, it's not like a limitation. So I guess from a creative standpoint, I, I think I'm understanding what he's going for and the feeling he's going for that, mm-hmm. that intimacy and that, that closeness, um, kind of like in your head feeling. So from that standpoint, I get the, the concept that doesn't necessarily mean that I always enjoy it. So Right. Um, you know, to, to your point, after 13 songs, I, I have to be in a specific mood to like listen to this type of thing to really be able to get through all 45 minutes and um, enjoy every minute of it. Um, right. I think he does use harmonies a lot to to elevate that kind of vocal approach, which is pretty successful. I, again, and the, just the ability to be able to do the harmonies to let you know that he can sing. It's not a limitation again. Right. So I'm a little conflicted. Like as a creative person, I, I get it. Um, and I appreciate what he's going for, and I think he's successful. It's just not successful for everybody. Um, not everybody's going to be able to like emotionally go for the whole ride. Yeah, yeah. That's, it- that's kind of where I'm at with it. I, I, I think I just want a little bit, like, for me to be able to really connect with it. I would need just some more, um, I guess, energy. Just some tracks that really kind of step over. They draw where he draws a line, and then he steps over it, and then kind of comes back. Um, whether that be tempo or emotion or just yeah. different, different emote, you know, different em- emoting. Um, so he kind of stays in this one zone, 
I think that's the concept behind the record. Um, I can't help but but want a little bit more. Yeah, that was my other issue was that because the vocal is in a very specific and intimate way, uh, or done in an intimate way, that the I started paying more attention to like the tempo of the songs and and that sort of thing, and the range of tempo is very narrow on this record. There's like mid tempo to slow, and they're not that far off from each other. Um, there's there's nothing that's up tempo on this record, and I kind of I just wish there was like just one where they pushed the tempo up just a little bit. You know, yeah. That's, I, you, even everything so real is it approaches like a thicker kind of rock sound, but it's still right. fairly slow. Yeah. I think um, one of the things when I first started listening to this album, I felt the same way about his voice. It's kind of weird to me. And, you know, it's a- after a few listens of it that it started to do that catchiness to it. So and then I started listening to all the other instruments behind it, you know, the, the guitars and the bass and just the the layer upon layer and such like that. So I understand like the, the how the voice, the vocals would would be a little bit put off. But I think as the the album grew on me um so did the understanding you know like how how the vocals worked you know for for this project right yeah i'm definitely on the on the upswing i would say from when i first started listening <laughs> to it in in my appreciation for it i think the thing that threw me was because he's doing he's doing this like whisper and then he's also in his like natural voice and then he's also doubling it with like a low harmony on some of the songs mm-hmm. that it it creates this like weird vocal combination in certain parts where you get into like this we had this happen on the Lusk album actually oh, where yeah. because when the vocal when the harmony comes in underneath it makes yeah. it sound like a monster almost <laughs> or like evil yeah his his low his low tone, he can get down there. Like I said, he's like, oh, it's an oboe or what it is, but he's singing like right down with that sure. on some of those tracks. And that's, what I think, the voice he's doing for those harmonies. Let's talk a little bit. This came out on Sub Pop in, what was it, 95? Sounds about oh, no, right. Sorry, 97? 97. Yeah. Um, this didn't have a chance on no. mainstream radio. I can't, I can't see this. I mean, this is going up against um, Marilyn Manson and the second Foo Fighters record. And yeah, I don't, this is not a, a pop, a, a mainstream alternative rate. I could see this on college radio. This probably was played at our college radio station, but I don't see this as, as a record that would break through. You'd have to, it, you'd have to have like a perfect single with a radio edit in order to, and I don't think there's one, even everything. So real would not quite be right for radio. Unless you guys hear something different. No, I, I I think that was the one thing about this album I agree with you with is that you know, there, there's singles on here, but not enough, at least not in that that time period to pull it onto the you know alternative stations at the time. Right. Uh, where people would care about it, you know, I guess I'm surprised, though, I didn't it didn't even it didn't get more notoriety from even the. You know, the, the Elliott Smith level, even from the independent alternative level. I mean, obviously he benefited from a, the movie soundtrack that he did, but or John Bryan or, or even Jason Faulkner. You know, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. This is like 
to me pretty obscure. Like I'd never heard of this artist. I mean, I realized it was on sub pop, but at least it didn't even get to the level of some of those, those artists, which I think it, there's no reason why it shouldn't have. I think Elliot Smith has a slightly more digestible vocal in, in the range that he sings. And mm-hmm. it kind of crosses over a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. I think because Eric has a, you know, this whisper going on for so much of the record, it just doesn't translate in. And I could see it definitely working on like a movie soundtrack in the same way that what Elliot Smith would. Yeah. But yeah. then it has to trans, you know, that also blew up because of from there to to getting on radio at the time and, and, getting some sort of notoriety outside of the movie. I also think they didn't know how to, you know, much like a lot of Jason, actually all of Jason Faulkner's stuff that the, when he was on a major label that uh, they didn't know how to market Eric Matthews to the radio stations. Yeah. Yeah. There's, it's a, it's a narrow market, unfortunately, because Mm -hmm. really this should be played, you know, alongside some, some more classical sounding rock but you don't ever play, you don't ever mix those two, you know, no station plays, you know, uh, pet, pet sound songs up against, <laughs> you know, songs from current day. That just doesn't right. happen. You know, that's what would make sense. They should have got him on a soundtrack <laughs> or, yeah. you know, that would be perfect, uh, way, you know, Amy Mann had a little bit of a, uh, a blip of a resurgence there because of the soundtrack, Elliot Smith, you know, John Bryan, all these artists we're talking about. I mean, they all, yeah you know, worked very well that way. They had a cinematic feel to them. Obviously he's got the, you know, you can hear some of this stuff. It almost sounds like a score to a movie or a scene. Um, mm-hmm. It wouldn't be as a stretch to hear, to imagine this is uh, having worked in a, you know, a late nineties movie. Yeah. I looked over his discography and I really didn't see anything that would like any movie that would have, I think there was like some very like indie type things, but you know, there's no Gus Van Zant films showing up. So <laughs> that definitely makes a difference. So let's talk about our overall ratings on this record. This will be interesting. Were the album better EP decent single? Mm. Peter, I know where you're going to be at. Yeah, uh, it's full album. It's a worthy <laughs> album. It's a worthy album, yeah. Yeah. Jay, were the album better EP decent single? artistically it's a full album i think me personally where i'm at with the record right now it's an ep um it's a really strong ep i I would pick pair of cherry to clear in the air everything's so real the pleasant kind no gnashing teeth i could probably pick one more in there too kind of round it out but i kind of get everything that i like about him and this record in, in that handful of songs and i'd be good with that but but i get creatively I don't, I don't, I guess I won't say it, it doesn't work as a whole record. It just doesn't all connect with me personally as a whole record. Yeah, this is a tough one because I feel the same way. It's, I clearly understand like the quality and the like artistic statement that's being made and I totally respect it. But on like a personal level, I have a, I don't quite connect with it. And maybe it's just something I would have to spend more time with, which doing our shows in this format doesn't always help you know trying to connect with something over a long period of time it is something that i would come back to and it is something that i'd like to check out other records of his but yeah i'm at more of an ep um probably about five songs um that i would pick to 
want to listen to you. I disagree with you on dopiness. I did not care for that particular <laughs> song. It's a weird song. It really is. I know. I get it. That one, there were just a couple. Like that one, The Pleasant Kind, I didn't care for. Festival Fun. It just his enunciation on that song. Sometimes uh-huh. he over-enunciated a little bit, and it, it bothered me. So, but it was, I guess only like three songs. I Actually, I might be at an album when I think about it. Only like three or four songs that I didn't, or they didn't care for. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I guess I'm at like a nine song album. Guess. I guess that's where I'm at. Make a call here. Are you an album or an EP? <laughs> I'm at an album. Nine songs. All right. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> Brow that was, that, was r- that was rough getting there. <laughs> Peter, thank you for selecting this record and and supporting yes. the podcast. Yeah, man. Hey, thanks for letting me be on this uh, podcast. So, how did you, uh, of all the records, the millions of records that you could pick from, how did you land on this one? Uh, that was really hard. Yeah, I had a few that I was going to throw at you, but after the no offense scathing review you guys gave of I Love You, um, which was my first choice from years ago, I wanted to choose something that I figured you guys would probably like. This record has been been playing uh, just recently, just uh, just on my mind. And uh, uh, I'm friends with Eric actually on Facebook. So every now and then he shows up on my feed uh to talk about Star Wars, which is funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it was just one of those things. I, I knew you guys like Jason Faulkner, and and uh, I figured you guys would appreciate this. So I want to throw something out that you guys would you would like too. Good, cool. I'll be totally honest. I don't remember that I Love You album. <laughs> we basically okay. it's, fair. <laughs> it's basically like the Men in Black. Jay at the end of every season, Jay and I have our memories wiped, and then we just start the new season. <laughs> And I don't remember anything that we did the previous year, so that, we're gonna that do not... a, like a, a meta dig me out where we start reviewing our old reviews. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna start digging digging up the albums we've already dug up. <laughs> That's not a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> it might be fun to revisit, like do a special episode every now and then, and revisit ones that maybe people really felt like we got wrong, and see if we after. Some time we feel differently about them. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you one thing. You don't have to worry about what I love you. It's a, an acquired taste on that one. So um, I'll take your word for that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I might have to revisit it. <laughs> <laughs> it would be fun actually to go to do, for us to do records and just do a new review and see if it in any way matches up with our original review without listening to the original review. Oh, yeah. That would be good. That'd see be if we have evolved in the past seven or eight years as listeners, because we might have been just terrible reviewers at the time. <laughs> you know? I think our, uh, yeah, I mean, I think our tastes have definitely evolved a little bit, just reviewing this much music. Oh, absolutely. Sure. So, I want to remind everyone, patreon.com is the place to go, patreon.com forward slash dig me out, that's where you go to get bonus content, to be entered into contests, and to vote in polls. And if you like what you heard, please consider leaving us some positive feedback at iTunes. Peter, do you want to plug anything? You got anything you want to tell people to go check out? Anything like that? Uh, no, no, I'm good. Okay. Uh, yeah, thanks. <laughs> thanks for joining us, Peter. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much, you guys. And thanks, everybody, thank for you. listening. We'll be back next week with another episode of Dig Me Out. Turn your-
Thanks for listening. To support the podcast, visit www.patreon.com forward slash dig me out and become a monthly subscriber at www.digmeoutpodcast.com where you can find links to our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram pages, as well as our merchandise store at zazzle.com.